You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Grab a seat. Marvellous. Good to be with you. Just come back from north uh, where we had a, wow, they, they need a bigger room. Those guys need a bigger room. It's amazing. It was full today. And that was with the children gone out. It was amazing. Fantastic. So it is wonderful to be with you. Please give some love to my wife. This is the third time she's going to hear this sermon, folks. Come on. Come on. Matthew said, uh, asked us in the car, how long have you guys been married? So we'll be, have been married 36 years this uh, coming July. And... Um, He said, what's your secret? What I wanted to say was my wife has endured many long sermons and still loves me. So that's probably says something there. So yes, this is the third time she's heard this. Bless you. Love you. Okay, so here we go. Are you ready for the Word of God? All right, then. Here we go. If you've got a Bible with you, I'm going to read uh, two bits of one chapter in the Bible uh, in Luke chapter 2. So Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. Now, if you've got your Bible on your phone or your tablet, or even with pages, please, I would encourage you to look that up while we're doing the reading together. I'll read it too. If you're a guest with us or you don't have a Bible with you, then just try and follow the reading because there's some beautiful, beautiful things that we want you to hear. And I want to talk today and beautifully set up by Mark and the team there as we've been thinking about his word anchoring our soul. I want to talk about the idea that he wants us to treasure his words. Treasure his words. So here we go. We're going to start reading from verse 8 of chapter 2. Now, don't worry, you haven't dropped into a parallel universe. It's not Christmas. It is still February, but we're going to read what we traditionally call the Christmas story. So here we go. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and it says this, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Wow. Every time I read that, (laughs) it moves me. Good news that will cause great joy for all people. We are part of that all people. Amazing. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary, Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Wow. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then we're going to skip across to verse 41. So same chapter, Luke chapter 2. Now verse 41. And it says this, every year Jesus' parents went up to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. 
after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. Wow. Amazing readings. Mary was an amazing woman. And one of the tragic things I think sometimes happens in the church is that we only talk about Mary at Christmas, right? We, she comes into our consciousness because she's a, an absolutely essential part of what we call the Christmas story. And yet I think that's a wee bit of a tragedy because Mary is an amazing follower of Jesus. In fact, I, I think Mary demonstrates incredible faith as a young woman, as a, what we would maybe in our culture call a, a young teenage girl, she demonstrates incredible faith. You know, it's quite funny that in compared to Zechariah's reaction, the priest, if you read Luke chapter 1, he's a priest serving God, and yet when Gabriel, the same angel that tells Mary that she's going to have a baby, speaks to Zechariah to say that his wife, Elizabeth's going to have a baby, Zechariah is really confused and sort of pushes back and ends up like, uh, well, he's, he's unable to speak until John, his son, is born. And yet Mary, in comparison to that, just seems to be able to, to move through. Even Mary's betrothed, Joseph, needs some dream therapy to help him through this particular story. And who wouldn't, to be quite honest with you? It's an amazing story. But I think Mary's attitude, Mary's spiritual disposition is really summed up in her own words, she says in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, speaking to the angel Gabriel, she says, Behold the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I love that because we, we, we can, if we're not careful, please forgive my language. Do not be offended by what I'm about to say. If we're not careful, we sort of treat Mary like a womb. God needs a womb, God needs a woman, and Mary just happens to be it. But actually, Dr. Luke tells the story so supremely carefully that we realize this, this is not just a womb that God's after, but a heart. And that actually, though he gets Mary's womb, wow, that's amazing all on its own, he doesn't just get her womb, he gets her womb because he's already got her heart. I'm the Lord's servant, she says. I mean, amazing echo of the Old Testament. I'm the Lord's servant. She said, may it be to me as you've said. Wow, this isn't just a, a young virgin girl who's prepared to go along with an incredible plan. This is a worshiper and follower of the Lord that's responding to what God is doing. And we're already, before we even get to the bits that we're going to look at today, we're already getting a bit of a vibe 
hold on. This, this girl has got something going on in her which is more than just she happens to be a sexual virgin and therefore qualifies to carry the Messiah. Are you with me? Because there were thousands of sexual virgins in Israel at the time. Why her? <laughs> and I think it's not just the womb that God is after, it's the heart. And he's, he's going after this young woman because he's already got her heart. And I love this. And this is a big idea I want you to hear. And, uh, and just uh, hope, hopefully, whatever I say today, this will stick with you. Mary is not just the mother of Jesus, but Luke's gospel, especially Luke, he tells us she becomes the follower of Jesus. If you follow Luke's trajectory, you'll see Mary tracked all the way through the ministry of Jesus. And then you see Mary at the resurrection. And then we see Mary in the book of Acts written by Dr. Luke, the guy who writes this gospel. And Mary is there waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Mary isn't just a, the mother of Jesus. Now, when I say just, that's in italics, right? Okay, she's a special, amazing, incredible woman, and we should never use the word just when speaking of Mary, right? But she's not just the mother of Jesus. She is, according to the gospel account, a follower of Jesus. Wouldn't it be tragic if the only time we hear about Mary is when she delivers the baby and then drops her to the story? Wouldn't that be tragic? That, that she literally is, is just there to deliver a baby. No, no, no. She's not just there to deliver a baby. She's there to follow that baby. That baby will become the savior of the world. And actually, Mary brings birth to that baby so that that baby will be her savior as well. And, and beautifully and gloriously, we see Mary is not just mother, but she is follower. And the other beautiful thing that tracks with that, she's not just there at the beginning. She's there at the end. Oh, I like that. Come on. She's not just there when the angel Gabriel rocks up. She's there in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit. Come on. Come on now. This is, this is a woman that's got something going on in her world. This is a woman that's got something going on in her heart. And I want to suggest to you that she's not just a mother, but a follower. She's not just there at the beginning. She's there at the end because of these two Gorgeous references that we had in our story to treasure, our treasury. And don't know if you heard that as you were listening to me, if you were following with me in your Bible, but there are two almost identical phrases. Did you notice that? I spot stuff like, I love all that stuff. Bible nerd in me loves all of that stuff. And, I, and if you were to read chapter two of Luke all the way through one sitting, you could not help but hear the connection. And it's written in a way that Dr. Luke wants you to get the connection. He wants you to go, when you get to 251 and you hear treasured, he wants you to go, oh, I've heard that before. And you go back to the previous reference. Now let's look at them closely and see what we learn. So chapter two, verse 19 says this, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. So that's the shepherd's bit, right? That's where she's had the conversation with the shepherds. And then 2.51, listen to the words again, almost identical. It says, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And then it says this, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. 
Now, when that happens in close proximity to the life of someone you're reading about, we should, we should realize that Dr. Luke is going, okay, he wants us to see something. He's now put two almost identical phrases into the one chapter about the one person. And here's what makes it even more amazing. These two statements are 12 years apart. The Bible messes with you like that. Because even though we read that in chapter 2, you've got to remember that, uh, that Jesus is a baby in 2.19 and Jesus is 12-year-old at 2.51. So 12 years have passed between those two and you've got almost identical phraseology. Now, I don't want to overcook this, but this is what I believe. Dr. Luke is showing us here that in the life of Mary, there is a pattern emerging. that this is a practice of this young woman. This is not just a one-off. He's dropped two of these ideas together 12 years apart because he wants me and you to understand something is going on in her that makes her behave in this way, and it's this behavior that helps her move from mother to follower and helps her move from being there at the beginning to being there at the end. Come on now. Come on. I love this. I love this. And I don't think I'm overcooking it. I think this is legitimately there. That actually we've got now a pattern emerging of the deep spirituality of this young woman. Now, if Mary is around about 13, 14, or 15 in the first reference, which there's almost universal acceptance that Mary would have been in our culture a young teenager when she had Jesus. Now, don't be alarmed by that. That might freak us out in the 21st century. In the world of Jesus, when, when Mary, as it were, became a daughter of the law, she became an adult. She became a woman. Now, again, that's difficult for us, but it's, it's just the way that world was. So at 13, uh, at 14, at 15, Mary wouldn't have been regarded as a teenager. She would have been regarded as a woman expected to take full responsibilities of womanhood in her world. All right? And that was just part of her world. So that's imagine when she hears, when she treasures the first time, she's around about 13. It means then 12 years later, she's still treasuring and she's 25. Come on now. I think it's better than that. But I'm, I'm not going to get anywhere, so we'll keep going, okay. I was just hoping for a little bit of a response there, but there we are. But, but it's there. This is a pattern. And so, ladies and gentlemen, here's what I want, to, want you to see. Mary being there at the end isn't a coincidence. Mary being a follower, oh, well, yeah, yeah, she would be a follower. After all, she was the mother. No, that doesn't mean she's going to be a follower. She becomes a follower. She's there at the end, not by accident, not by fluke, but because she's a treasurer. Come on now. Come on now. So, so let's have a bit of a closer look at these two verses and we'll, we'll, we'll drop some practicality. Look, look at, first of all, the idea of the word treasured. Now, in the language that Dr. Luke writes in, the Greek language, it's exactly the same word in both verses. So our English Bible really helps us with that. But there's a little bit of a change in the way he writes the word. So he puts a preposition on the front of each word it's slightly different. So the, the bit that he puts on the front in 2.19, if I were to read it literally to you, uh, suntero, it means 
together treasure. All right? That's the sort of idea. Now, that doesn't, it's hard to make sense of that in English. But it's the idea of whatever you're treasuring, there's a together idea attached to it. Are you with me? So the idea there is, if you think of it pictorially, it's like Mary is keeping the stuff that she's treasuring together. She's holding it together. So, so you might think there the idea is a sort of preserving, watching over. You with me? Just hold that we thought. And then when you get to 251, it's diatero. So it's slightly different preposition, and it means through to treasure. What's the idea there? Well, it's this idea of, of actually she is keeping hold of it as she's moving through. So it's like the first one in 219, if you were to take the nudge that Dr. Luke is suggesting, it's got an idea of preserving the word, keeping it together. And then when you move to 251, it's like protecting the word as she goes forward. All right? Now, this sort of makes sense because in 2.19, it says she treasured and then it says and pondered. So you get this sense in which, all right, she's holding on to stuff and she's not absolutely sure what she's holding on to, but she's holding on to it. She's going to watch over it. It's like, it's like she takes that precious jewel of that word and she puts it in her, in her special box. All right? All right, so she's watching over it. And then when she talks to Jesus as a 12-year-old boy, some of those words are clearly freaking her out because, because they, they, they really didn't understand what he was saying. But, but what's she doing going forward? She's protecting those words, even though she doesn't fully understand them. Are you with me? So treasuring here has with it, if you put the two bits together, it has with it a sort of a preserving and a protecting. So in other words, in other words, this is really important. There's a, an activity in the treasuring. So it's not just like me taking a, a nice watch and putting it in a box and forgetting about it. It's, that's not the idea. The idea is to actively preserve and protect something. That's the idea of treasuring. Are you with me? Does that make sense to you? All right then. So, so how is she treasuring? This might help us. This is really cool. Now, in our English Bible, this is hard to spot. But in the language of Dr. Luke, if you knew the language of Dr. Luke back then in the first century, everybody would get this. Everybody would just spot what he's doing. And what he's doing is he constructs the word in a continuous tense. So in other words, when it says she treasured, one of the dangers of our Bible is that sounds like she just treasured it at that moment. But the way he puts it, it's not only treasuring at that moment, but a continuous treasuring. All right, you with me? So it happens today, tomorrow, she's still treasuring what happened yesterday. Next week, she's still treasuring what happened last week. Come on, are you with me? Next month, she's still treasuring what happened last month. Wow. Now, this really works brilliantly because we, if we understand this 12-year gap, it really rocks, right? So you get this sort of sense that she's been treasuring all the stuff from the shepherd's moment, and then she gets to a new moment that's freaking her mind out, and, and, and this conversation with Jesus is blowing her brains out, and she now adds that to the treasury, and she starts to protect that as well. 
And so it's like she's adding these ideas to her journey. So you get this, treasure doesn't just mean put it in a box and forget about it. Treasure means watch over it, protect it. And now Dr. Luke's saying continuously. That's pretty cool, right? For a Bible nerd like me, I love this stuff. It's great, right? And then the third little idea is not just how she treasured, but what she treasured. Now, I, I love the NIV Bible. This is my everyday Bible in terms of the Bible I read, and I really like it. But here it translates what she's treasuring as she treasures up all these things. Now, I, I'm not clever enough to sort of take on the translators, but I know enough to say this, and you've just got to trust me on this, and please feel free to disagree. If you were to read the words of Dr. Luke literally, it reads, she treasured up all these words. Now, I think that's better. Because Mary is not just treasuring things. She's specifically treasuring words. Now, if you track this through Mary's story, the birth of Jesus and all that happens before, and these two stories, it absolutely connects together. It makes total sense. Mary is not just treasuring things in her world, and I understand why, why that would work, but she is treasuring words, words that the shepherds add to the words she's already heard, words that Gabriel gave to her. Wow, they were words, right? So she's got a bunch of words from Gabriel, from God, and now she's got these words from the shepherds. Now she speaks with Jesus as a 12-year-old, and she's got a whole bunch of other words. And what's she doing? She's grabbing those words and treasuring them. So let's put all of this together, and we've, hopefully you're still with me, and you're tracking with me. So, so what have we got now? We've got two statements about Mary, 12 years apart, suggesting a bit of a spiritual pattern in Mary and what she's doing. Number one, she's treasuring. What does that mean? She's actively preserving and protecting something. But Dr. Luke is saying she's actively preserving and protecting something continuously. And actually, he says she's actively and preserving continuously the words of God. That's why she's there at the end. That's why she's not just mother of Jesus, but follower of Jesus. That's why she's not just there at the beginning where we would expect her to be, but she's there at the end where she may not have been. And she's there at the end because I believe she is treasuring his words. Mary preserved and protected all these words continuously. Whoa. Come on, Mary rocks. Not just a teenage girl who happened to be a sexual virgin with a womb. She is a lover of God whose heart is his and she understands the power of his words. She is much, much more than we give her credit for. And I've grown up in a Protestant tradition where we hardly ever talked about Mary because the Catholic tradition tended to make Mary something more than she was, made her into the mother of God, which I don't believe Mary was. Mary was not the mother of God, but she was the mother of Jesus, right? And because of that, 
we hardly talk about it. And we, we rule her out at Christmas. And the tragedy is we're missing something powerful in this amazing woman because she's teaching us some incredible principles. If you want to be there at the end, not just at the beginning. If you want to be there when the word is not only spoken, but when the word is fulfilled, you got to learn to treasure. you got to learn to treasure. And if you treasure and keep them and watch over them and preserve them and protect them continuously. Now, please forgive my language. You give God the chance to do for you, in you, and through you what his words were sent to achieve. Does that make sense to you? You sure you're with me? And, and, and how does Mary do this? Let me just, read one real main thing I just want to say to sort of encourage us and help us. Mary, Mary does this, I believe, because she values the words of God. So, so in, in Mary's experience, we see someone who values these incredible words. Now, here's, here's the amazing thing. If you put 219 and 251 together, one's implicit and one's explicit in this idea, it's clear that Mary didn't fully understand the words. All right? So we've got this really interesting tension that when the shepherds come and give all this information about the angels and what the angels did, Mary is treasuring, yes, but pondering. So the little implied idea is she doesn't fully understand what all this is about and what's all going on. Now, eventually she'll put it together, but, but now it seems to be it's not fully clear what the Word of God means that she's got. And then it's even more explicit in 251, where in the verse before that, in verse 50, it literally says, they did not understand what he was saying to them. What? Jesus, just say that again. They didn't fully understand. And yet, listen, watch this. She didn't fully understand in 219, and she didn't fully understand in 251, and yet she treasured. Come on, come on, give it up for Mary. <laughs> it's amazing. She treasured. And over the years as a pastor, I've seen wonderful, beautiful Christians abandon the Word of God because they don't get it. Because we can't understand what it means, what He said to us, or how it's going to work out. We sort of, well, because I don't understand it, I'm just going to abandon it. Listen, listen to Mary. Here's what Mary says. Mary says, yeah, I totally get you. But Mary says, I didn't fully understand the words of the shepherds. I didn't fully understand the words of Jesus. But here's what I understood. If these words have come from God, these are gold. These are gold words. If we believe God has spoken. So Mary's saying to me and you, if I believe God's spoken when the shepherds came, if I believe God has spoken to me through a 12-year-old boy in the temple, if I believe this is God, whether I get it or not, whether I understand it or not, or whether I can work it out or not, I'm going to grab it and treasure it because it's God. It's God. It's God. And we as humans, we want to work it all out. When's it going to happen? How's it going to happen? Who's it going to happen to? What's it going to look like? I get all of that. I totally, I'm a control freak just like you, but I'm probably a worse control freak than you when it comes to these things. I totally understand that. But don't stop treasuring because you haven't got the details. 
Don't stop treasuring because you can't work it out. Don't stop treasuring because, oh, don't understand. Of course, you're, you're dealing with God. There's going to be the odd thing we don't get. I can hardly understand how my iPad works, never mind how God works, right? There's going to be the odd thing where you go, yeah. Now, here's the paradox. Here's the tension. You know, you know, you know, you know. He spoke. So this is, this is not my everyday Bible, my devotional Bible. This is my preaching Bible that Dawn bought me. And Dawn also bought me a beautiful, my everyday Bible. It's, it's wide margin. And if I showed it to you, it has dates virtually on every page. It has words written at the side. It has highlights it's scribbled all over. It looks like someone has graffitied the Bible. And I, when I believe God speaks, even if I don't understand what he's saying, I write it down. I record it. I did it. I put it somewhere, right? Uh, and sometimes when he speaks to me through his book, and I would say, look, I've been a Christian a million years or so, 98% of the time I hear God through this. All right, just everyday reading of the Bible, that's where I hear God and he speaks to me and that's how it works, which is amazing, really. But then I also believe, and this church would believe this, we believe that God can speak through even somebody like me. Wow, that's amazing. That God could speak through a podcast, that the Lord could speak while you're out walking your dog, that the Lord could speak to you while you're in the shower. All of the above have happened to me, I believe, out while you're running. <laughs> we believe that the Lord... So for this church, for CLM, and certainly for me, let me just say, the issue is not, will God or won't God speak? The issue is, how seriously do we take his words when he does speak? That's the $64 million question. Here's Mary. Let's go back 21 centuries and look at the teenage girl. Mary, all that stuff the shepherd said, what do you reckon? Not sure. But I know it's God. Let's fast forward 12 years. Mary, did you get what Jesus was going on about? Well, some of it, but I know it's God. Mary's teaching us something, that, that even when you don't understand, value it. Why? Because it's not about what we do or don't understand. It's about who is speaking. Now, if we believe it's him speaking, however he's speaking to you, however he's spoken to CLM, if we believe it's him speaking, that's gold. I've got to grab that and hope that maybe my brain will catch up to the words a bit later. Maybe, maybe the Lord will explain it a bit later on. Maybe, maybe it'll become clear as I keep treasuring. But if I believe it's him, if I believe he's spoken, uh, even if I don't know everything about what he said, I must hold on to the word. And, and look, look, look at the gap here. Look at the, look at the gap between these words. That, that sometimes we let go of the word of God because, well, it was 12 years ago. I, 
And so we stop treasuring because it hasn't happened. Now, I, that may be the only per, I may be the only person in the room that have struggled with that. But I, I suspect I'm not alone. That, that sometimes God speaks. Here's, here's God speaking to a 12 or 13 or 14-year-old girl. And she's still treasuring the words 12 years later. And then the words that she hears when Jesus is 12, she's going to keep treasuring that till she sees her son hung on a cross and risen from the dead. Come on. So Mary speaks to me and you and says, look, look, even if you don't understand it, if God's spoken and you know God has spoken, treasure it, watch over it, preserve it and protect it and do it continuously because you're giving God permission then to fulfill what he wants to fulfill. And even if there has been a passage of time in this word, don't let go of it. Is the band going to come? Do you want to come and get ready? I feel like I need to just finish there. I have a few other things there, but let me finish there. Let me, let me finish with one, one more thought with you, and it's this. This weekend, Don and I, um, before coming to Coventry, were down in Gloucester visiting our son. So in case you don't know, uh, we have a 30-year-old daughter who's married to Dan and uh, has baby Abigail. Abigail's four absolutely gorgeous, and they're on the ministry team at New Life Church, AOG Church in Scunthorpe. In fact, we dropped our oldest daughter off at Birmingham Airport uh, on Friday. She was speaking at a conference in Dublin. It's just like, wow, what a moment. When I held her in my arms as a baby, could never have imagined that, that the Lord would, would do such wonderful things. And then there's Simeon, our son. He's just turned 27 on Friday. He's living and working in Gloucester was living with a girl, now not living with her, has a baby to that girl, our second grandchild, Freddie. And my son is far from Jesus. Making some bad choices. He's a good boy in heart. But he's made some bad choices and those choices are compounded by other bad choices. And then we have our youngest daughter, 22, doing amazingly well, married, loves Jesus in ministry in the sense of uh, her job is very much the passion of her ministry call, which is incredible, working with women suffering from domestic abuse. And we're just, we're just blessed. But we were with our son at the weekend and I'm sitting having dinner with my son, looking at him. And I'm remembering words words that were spoken over him and about him when he was in his mother's womb. Like impossible stuff. Stuff, words that, I mean, the guy that brought this word to us didn't even know Dawn was pregnant. And not only did she say, did he say to me, your wife's pregnant, but she'll have a boy. And he said some stuff about my boy and about our boy and about our son. And up until about the age of 15, it all looked on track. then stuff happened and I look at my boy 27 and the words that God spoke to him while he was cooking in his mother's womb look impossible it looks utterly impossible I don't even know how it's going to work out 
I, 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 I couldn't personally figure out a way this is going to happen. And yet, these are words that God has spoken over my, over my son's life. So if you said to me, John, God has spoken to you about your son, I'd say, absolutely, 100% gold-plated. I'll take that to my grave. Right? I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. If you ask me to explain it, not a clue. Not a, not a clue. If you offered me a hundred grand to explain it, your money's safe. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not just saying that. I'm telling you the truth. It's... And furthermore, 27 years. We're still waiting. And here's the deal, brothers and sisters. It's so easy to stop treasuring Because it doesn't look like the way we thought it would look. This was not in the plan. This was not part of the strategy. This was not how it was supposed to happen. We had a word. We had a plan. We had a strategy. We, we followed that strategy with all of our children. I said, say goodbye to my son on Saturday. And he just, he looked so lost. I said, Lord, I remember your word. I will not forget your word. I will preserve your word. I will protect your word. I will remind you of your word. Because you haven't forgotten it. And ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. God may have spoken to you and you're going, I have no clue what that means. Join Mary. Join me. Join Dawn. Join a queue. Come on. Don't, don't abandon the treasure. Don't abandon the treasure because your brain's catching up. God's at work all the time. And His Word is eternal. And some of you, John, I get it, I hear it, but it's been so long. Well, talk to Mary. Talk to Abraham. Talk to David. Talk to Paul. Talk to us. Talk to others in this room who could tell you a thing or two about, well, yeah, it's been a while. Do you know, God spoke words over this church in the 30s and in the 40s. God spoke words over this church before most of us were born. And words that were spoken are coming to pass. Because men and women, even in the darkness, when they didn't fully understand what it was going to look like, and even in the darkness, when they didn't fully understand when it was all going to work out, they treasured the Word of God. They treasured it. Continuously. Watched over it. And here's how we treasure it and why we treasure it, brothers and sisters, because here's what God says about His Word. My Word will not return to me empty. Come on. In fact, Isaiah goes on to say, it will accomplish. It will accomplish. It will accomplish what God sent it out to achieve. It will accomplish. It will accomplish. And so whether it's like 
me and Dawn and you're thinking of a child or whether it's other things that God has given you, when I look at that lost boy, I say it will accomplish what God sent it out to accomplish. It will work. It will achieve. It will happen. And it's not my job to tell God when, where, how, and what. It's my job to treasure the Word. It's my job to hold on to His Word and say, I will not let go of it. I will not forget it. I will not allow this to be stolen by the devil. I believe God has spoken. And if He has spoken, it will happen. Amen. Come on, why don't you stand with me if you can. The band are going to lead us in one final great song. Come on, has he spoken to you? Maybe some of you will just need to respond and in the time of worship, just, just come up here as an act of saying, I remember, as an act of saying, I will treasure. As an act of lining up with Mary and saying like that young woman would not let go of those words but preserved and protected them and watched over them continuously even though she didn't understand. I'm going to be like her. I am going to dust, blow the dust off the words that God has given me. I'm going to grab a hold again of the things that he said and I'm going to dare to believe that if God who created the universe with his words has spoken, then what he said will be accomplished. It will be accomplished. So Lord, I pray for the words spoken over this congregation, for the words spoken over this wonderful church, words that some of them are, are, are years and years old, words that have been spoken in these days and in days gone by. We call forth the word of the Lord over CLM Coventry. We call forth the promises of the Lord. We speak over these words. We sing over these words. We rejoice over these words. We preserve these words. We protect these words. We say these are the words of God. These are the words of God and the words of God will accomplish what God sent them to accomplish in Jesus' name. I pray for brothers and sisters in this room. Brothers and sisters, clinging on to words, clinging on to treasure, clinging on to things that you have said. May the word of the Lord live. May the word of the Lord accomplish. May the word of the Lord achieve. May the word of the Lord do what it was sent out to do in Jesus' name. And I pray for release today. I pray for anointing and blessing today. And I pray that your word will do something in us your word will do something for us and your word will do something through us in the name of Jesus. Amen.